You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Welcome to church this morning. So glad to see you here in person or watching online. So thankful we are together. I'm going to pray right now. Here's the thing, though. I want you to pray with me, all right? I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray light to shine. We're going to pray the kingdom of the Lord to come. We're going to pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. We're going to pray that truth will be heard. We're going to pray that we will all be encouraged in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so don't leave me hanging up here by myself, all right? So the power of everyone praying together and agreeing with what I say and the things of the Lord, and then we're expecting God will do great things in our midst, okay? Let's do that. So, Father, together as a church united, together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we do look to you now. We call upon the name of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, that you will dispel darkness. Amen, church? Lord, we are asking right now your truth will be heard, your encouragement will be felt. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. Amen, church. We are praying whether it's here, whether it's at home watching right now, or this is such a desperate time in our world and society, Lord, where Jesus is needed and needed and needed. Oh, Lord, would you be saving and working? Lord, would you be moving? Would you get glory today? Amen, church. Get glory right now, Lord, through all that's happening. Move among Holy Spirit. Fill us. We need you. We are so feeble and frail. And we look to you now, oh, Lord. May the prayers of your people be heard like an incense and fragrance, Lord, to you. And may you use them now, we pray together, together united in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe that works and believe God's going to use it right now. So here we go. Second Timothy, we're in chapter 2 today. And as we begin there, I want you to think of the importance of having um, a fight plan. The importance of having a fight plan um, as you go into some kind of battle or need a strategy again for a, a fight that you might be encountering. I have some examples of this. Uh, think of the Allied battle plan in the invasion of Normandy uh, during the Second World War. Think of how critical it was for the strategy and the mind and the fight plan as they went through that war and especially that specific battle. Or how about the strategy or fight plan for the Israeli army? In the Six-Day War in 1967, critical for the, for the success of all that happened. Or how about, on a much lesser note, even Muhammad Ali's rope-a-dope and his fight with George Foreman, what was called the Rumble in the Jungle. The importance of a fight plan, a battle plan, having a strategy as you enter into a competition. A strong fight plan is so often the difference maker. I think of the impact um, a coach makes, like a really good coach. The strategy, the planning, the preparation, preparing for the challenge. Like so often, it's amazing how much a difference the coach makes upon a team achieving victory and the consistency of that team doing well. Just to say, having a fight plan, having a battle plan, having a strategic plan going into something, it's, it's pretty critical. Let me ask you this then. How much more is having a fight plan, a battle plan for the Christian life? I mean, how much more for this thing that we're doing, you know, to pursue Christ, to endure, to persevere to the end, how much more is having a fight plan so important? Just in case you've forgotten, we're in this fight against our great enemy, Satan, the devil, who is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour all the time. Like, let us not forget that our battle's not against flesh and blood. 
but against its principalities and the power of darkness, this present darkness, Ephesians 6 says. Hey, remember this too, okay? Satan has a fight plan against you and me and this church. He's studied you and he knows your weaknesses. And I'm amazed at how many believers go through life and they're unaware of their own weaknesses and they have no fight plan and they're walking through life and they get sucker punched all the time. I mean, more than ever, I think in the life that we've been living, this year has proven we need a battle plan. Like, we need a fight plan. The Bible says those who endure to the end will be saved. Indicating those that truly follow Christ and understand what he's called them to, they are alive in Christ, filled with the Spirit. They will persevere to the end, and they're proved, therefore, they belong to him, and they will be saved. This is our context in 2 Timothy. This whole letter is really a fight plan being passed down from Paul to Timothy. Why? Paul wants so much that Timothy would reach the end and be able to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So this is why this letter is such a blessing for us right now. Let me ask you a question right now. Do you have a fight plan? Like in all sincerity and serious. If I came up right now and said, give me your top five fight plan items for making it to the end as a follower of Christ, like, would you be able to give me something? Your fight plan for making sure that, again, Christ in you and flowing through you and leading you. I think too many fail to be able to do that. You say, well, I'm not sure if I have a fight plan. We have a fight plan today based on God's word. That's the whole message we have today from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 to 7, I'm going to read it for us, and we're going to jump in. Here is part of Paul's fight plan for Timothy and the battle that he is in. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me, and what you have heard from me, the presence of many witnesses, and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Verses 1 and 2 is a pretty good fight plan so far. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who, who enlisted him. That's so good. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Verse 7, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Look, look at what Paul's doing here. Paul is showing Timothy, Timothy, here's how you fight well. Here's the fight plan. Here's how you got to think. Here's what you got to do. Here's how you got to be strengthened. Lord, teach us the same. How can I fight the good fight? Especially now. How can I fight the good fight? We have several fight plans that we're going to go through together right now. Fight plan number one is this. You want to fight the good fight? Number one, I must be strengthened by grace. I must be strengthened by grace. I mean, that's so obvious. If, you, if you're going to go into a fight, you have to have some strength. But here's the thing. It's not your strength in the Christian fight. It's not your effort in the Christ follower battle. Verse 1. You then, my child, take a look. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice the first four words of verse 1. You then, my child. So what Paul's doing now as he goes into chapter 2, he's summarizing chapter 1. 
as he's summarizing chapter 1 in our context here, he also includes at the later stages of chapter 1, he's comparing individuals who have not been faithful and an individual who has been faithful. Paul recalls then the unfaithfulness, the inability to fight the good fight with uh, with Philegius and Hermogenes there in chapter 1, right? He's saying that right there. He's saying these were two individuals who were unfaithful, who deserted, who were not able to fight the good fight. And then he contrasts them with Onesiphorus, again, who has remained faithful, not ashamed of Paul's chains, and who has proven to fight the good fight of the gospel. Isn't it so interesting how often the Bible really holds up life being one of two groups of people? It's so often contrast. You have the, the goats and the sheep. You have the unfaithful and the faithful. You have darkness and light. You have those who love self and those who love Christ. You have those who go to hell and those who go to heaven. You have those who reject God and those who love God. And right here in some ways too, Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, Timothy, listen, there's really one of two people in this world. Those who will be unfaithful and those who will be faithful those who will desert Christ and those who will follow Christ to the end, those who will fight the good fight of the faith or those who will abandon the fight of the faith. Timothy, you then, my child, you then, my child, if you have any chance of fighting the good fight of faith, then you must be strengthened by grace in Christ Jesus. He's like, hey, Timothy, Timothy, listen, listen. If you're going to fight this good fight, you need strength. You need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Mean, listen, listen. You need divine enabling. You must receive help that comes from above. Now, I love, I love in chapter 1, I love, I love in the New Testament, I love the Bible, the emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit. Like it's everywhere all the time. Church, love one right now, brother and sister in Jesus Christ. If we have any chance of fighting this good fight, we have to receive the power that comes from above. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Think of chapter 1. For God gave us the Spirit not of fear, but of power. Power. Hey, suffer for the gospel, chapter 1, by the power of God. And verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, right? Guard the good deposit. It's not by your strength, Timothy, by the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 2, verse 1, again, be strengthened by the grace, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, Timothy, you cannot fight this fight. You cannot win this fight without the strength and power of God. Notice Paul does not say, Timothy, be strengthened by human exertion. Be strengthened by human strategy. He does not say be strengthened by self-reliance. He does not say be strengthened by trying harder. Just try harder. He doesn't say that. He says the opposite. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the great dangers of the past seven months is that some people are slowly drifting away from the grace of Christ. And what I mean is they're slowly drifting away from Christ. And if you drift away from Christ, you drift away from the grace and the strength that helps us again to live this life for him. This is why in John chapter 15, one of the key chapters of the New Testament, Jesus says this on abiding. He says, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It must abide. I need you to hear that again. Jesus is so clear. The branch cannot bear fruit 
by itself. So you see a healthy tree outside and leave here today. Listen, that branch is 100% dependent upon the trunk. That branch, it's not, it's not 80 or 90. That branch is 100% dependent on strength, vitality, sap, and nutrients upon the vine, the stem, the trunk that it's attached to. This is why Jesus says, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. You must abide. Timothy, you must be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, you must receive power from God, from the Spirit, from Jesus Christ himself if we're going to be able to fight this good fight. Now look closely at verse 1. Every word counts. Look closely at verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. There he is again. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is everything. Jesus is strength. Jesus is vitality. Jesus is power. Jesus is grace. Jesus is glory. Jesus is everything we could ever need or want. The answer is always found in Jesus. Strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do I access the grace of Jesus as close to him as possible? Abiding, loving, seeking. Church, listen up. Time. Time with Jesus. He is the answer and power. He is the dispenser of grace. If you never hang out with Jesus, you don't get, he can't dispense grace. You never talk to him, love him, pray to him, sing to him, serve for him. You can't fight the good fight apart from the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. He is the one who supplies. He's the one when you're in the boxing match of the Christian life, and you've just gone through a round, and you've got really beaten up, and you're sitting in the corner, and your eyes all puffed up and swollen and black, and your lips all bloodied, and sweat is pouring down your brow, and you're sitting there in the corner, and you're exhausted, and you're weary, and you don't want to go on, and you're begging someone in your corner will throw in the towel for you, because you're just like, no mass, no mass, no more, no more, I'm done. I don't want it. And Jesus comes in your corner, and he looks at you, and he picks you up, and he supernaturally fills you with grace and strength and allows you not only to rise to your feet to survive that boxing match, he actually leads you in life in hope and glory and strength and grace to allow you to see victory all the way through to the end. This is the power. We'll clap for that and clap for that. I'll clap for that. Amen. Amen. Don't clap enough. That's the power what Jesus Christ gives. He comes supernaturally against all odds, fills us, graces us, strengthens us. To fight the good fight of the faith. Hey, Timothy, you got no chance apart from being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do we access the grace of Christ? We talked about this a little bit. Think about it. We access it right now through his word. We access it through prayer. We access his grace by the design of his body, the church. We access his grace by being in community and fellowship and love and the extension of his design of serving and using our giftedness. We access this by depending on him fully. Timothy, we cannot be strengthened apart from truly the grace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some have been faltering and weakened 
because they have distant, distanced themselves again from the grace of Jesus Christ. But we, we cannot, we cannot fight this fight without him, no chance. Jesus holds inexhaustible supply of grace. Oh church, let's seek him for the strength that only he can give. So I like that this is the first fight plan item because it probably is the most important. If you don't have strength, again, good luck with anything. Fight plan number two, though, was this. Fight plan number two, I must multiply through mentoring. That's interesting. I must multiply through, to fight the good fight, I gotta multiply myself through mentoring. Look at, look at verse two. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I love this. Paul's fight plan for himself and for Timothy is the opposite of inertia. It's a call to action. It's a call to growth. It's a call to discipleship. It's a call to multiplication. Again, a huge danger of the season we've been in, with all the restrictions and all that's gone on, and for the church, a huge danger for the church is this. Many believers are not active. Many believers are not using giftedness. Many believers are not serving. Many believers are not pouring into others. Many believers are not discipling. And the problem with that is, is that when you're not serving, when you're not discipling, when you're not using giftedness, when you're not really in God's will, then the problem with that, it's like a muscle that you don't use. A muscle that's not used starts to wither. And then you start to become flabby and it starts to get weakened. That spiritual muscle must be exercised. So Paul's exhorting Timothy here. He says one of the best ways to fight the good fight, Timothy, is to actually throw some punches. It's like you, you got to actually get in the ring. you got to throw some punches to use what God's entrusted to you in order to fight the good fight. So people who disengage the entire time will never actually engage and then they won't have impact upon others. One of the great callings of the Christian life is discipleship, to go and make disciples. And what's awesome by God's design is discipleship so often activates blessing. When your giftedness is being used, when you are multiplying yourself into others, it can be fatiguing. There can be times we grow weary, but within that, God strengthens. Within that, we find joy. Within that, there's satisfaction. Within that, there's contentment. Within that, there's great, again, purpose as we feel ourselves being used of the Spirit to grow others around us. Conversely, to do nothing and sit there might feel good for the moment, but you sit on your spiritual couch being lazy the whole time, and you start to become so despondent and discouraged because you're not fulfilling that which God has ultimately called you to do. Teach others also. Multiply yourself to disciple. I want to be crystal clear right now. It is 100% God's will that every believer multiply themselves through mentoring on some form, on some level. Big or small. It is 100% God's will that he has saved us, every single one of us, to be used to see other people grow in Jesus Christ. And that's when you start to use that muscle instead of withering, that spiritual muscle gets used and all of a sudden, again, it gets stretched but comes back stronger. And that's how we grow in Christ. That's how we mature. 
That's why he says, Timothy, you want to fight the good fight? Multiply that which you've been entrusted with. Pour that into others that they might also, and the kingdom starts to advance. We've seen this slide before, but I want to show it to you again. Notice the four generations in this one verse, verse 2. Have you seen this before? I've always loved this. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to take what, 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 what you've been given. So Paul passes on to Timothy, and then he says, I want you to take what I've given to you, heard from me, and I want you to entrust to faithful men. And then these ones then, these faithful men and women, they will teach others also. So you have this massive multiplication effect. And imagine if every one of these guys start to do the same thing, and then they start to pour down, and then all of a sudden, bum, 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 bum. See, every one of us is supposed to be here. Again, you're like, well, I'm just a youth. I don't know much. Are you saved in Christ? You know something, man. Like, big or small, every one of us. Or say, well, I'm kind of, you know, getting later in stage, whatever. I'm telling you, as the Lord leads in prayer and to take what we've been given, the power of what happens here, this is all in verse 2. Do you want to fight the good fight? It's amazing how going on the offensive here does us such good. There's one more slide I want you to see, more, a, a summary sentence here. Look at this. In this time right now, we cannot allow a physical virus to become a spiritual virus of fear and apathy among us. See, right now, for some who want it, this is giving every excuse to become this. For those who are lukewarm, for those who are just naturally complacent, apathetic, you, you have the, some sitting at home right now watching, watching this online, and you're letting this result in this. This apathy and fear is not God's will. So this is happening. This cannot result in this. This now results in a double down to say, how am I going to fight the good fight to make sure this is not upon my life? You can't allow physical become spiritual. Satan wants this to become this. Our flesh wants this to become this. We've got to think so clear. We've got to know where we stand. We've got to know what God has called us to do. We've got to fight the good fight. And one of the best ways we fight the good fight is to get in the ring and throw some punches. By that I mean discipling, mentoring, multiplying ourselves, to get in the ring. We can't, we can't let physical restrictions become spiritual ones. We are called to fight through this. You know, you heard today already that our, our groups launched this, this past week in the strange season we're in. But so thankful for groups and the community and God's design for accountability and discipleship and encouragement and prayer and forms of serving and love and compassion and all that goes into a group. One of the groups you may not be aware of right now, but we're going to be launching this in the next week or so. We're calling them Timothy groups in light of the intention of 2 Timothy, Paul pouring into the younger generation, we're launching Timothy groups in about a week from now. What's a Timothy group? It's men and women from mid-teens to mid-twenties seeking to grow in godliness through discipleship. We want to specifically, at this time in our church, pour into, again, the younger generation from mid-teens to mid-twenties. What's it going to be? It's going to be a weekly small group, whether in person or online. Those committing to prayer meetings, journaling, scripture memorization, serving, evangelism, and the 5G life. So in some ways it's, it's serious, but it's just such an awesome opportunity. From 8 to 10 weeks, launching October 18th. Registration this week. Registration. So right now, you're a young person here right now. Mid-teens, mid-twenties. You're like, man, I've never really been intentionally poured into in this way. Now's your chance. 
We hope to serve as many people who sign up. How do I sign up? Again, online, hopeful.ca series, and sign up online right here, website. Go online, register, mid-teens, mid-twenties. This could, be, this could be one of the greatest transfer. I'm, I'm going to be leading one of these, Lord willing. I'm excited about that. Pouring into young men. Why? Because we want to fight the good fight. And we want to train the next generation. Take that seriously. You, you can sign up today and be in a group, one of the key leaders in our church, eight to ten weeks, and maybe your life will change as a result. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak. Speak to your church. Speak encouragement. Speak eternity. Call into action your children. And it's so important, the grace to be strengthened with, the, the multiplication through mentoring. And fight plan number three is this. My mindset is crucial. My mindset. Look at verses three to six now. Verses three, look at, look at what Paul says to Timothy. These are such great verses, Timothy. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. How about this? An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And Timothy, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. One word that describes these verses is mindset. Paul's like, Timothy, your mindset is critical as you seek to fight this good fight. Why? Well, our mindset determines our direction in life. Our mindset often determines our expectations or the clarity we have or don't have in life. Notice this, the Holy Spirit is always seeking to renew our mindset in one form or another. Again, it's Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Set your minds on things above, not the things that are on the earth. I read even this morning in my own personal reading in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, being renewed by the spirit of your minds. I was like, that's awesome. There it is again. Being renewed by the spirit of your minds. Your mindset indicates so much. What is my mindset saying? Again, in verse 3, he's like, Timothy, have the mindset of a soldier in terms of sharing in suffering. So a soldier enters into a battle with the mindset it's going to be difficult. Think of it. You and I sit here right now in this nation because many decades ago, Many, many, many men and women gave their lives for the freedom of this country in different wars. They sacrificed their very, their mindset was self-sacrifice and suffering that allows us to be here right now as a result of what they've done for us because they had a mindset of a good soldier. A good soldier has the mindset of sacrifice, selflessness, and suffering. And then Paul moves on here. He explains further in verse 4. He says, No soldier then gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. This is such an important verse. Let me put this up on the screen for you, okay? Check out this. The soldier of a mindset here is single-mindedness. Single-mindedness. He's like, hey, Timothy, no good soldier is distracted by the worldliness around them. A good soldier does not get, nor that word, entangled. The good soldier doesn't get caught up in, distracted, losing focus, off mission. 
The soldier is not entangled in civilian pursuits. Civilian pursuits here is not necessarily bad things, but they're not best things. But these things can become bad things if they become idolatrous and they take us off the main thing of Jesus Christ. Think about it. No good soldier would let this happen. Think of how disciplined, how focused a good soldier is. Just so regimented, so ready, so focused, just laser vision. Again, just ready at the call and serious for what's at hand. Paul's like, Timothy, this is who you are supposed to be. I'm telling you too, I think that civilian pursuits will be one of the great regrets of followers of Jesus Christ in the end. You understand, right, that all believers will stand in judgment before Christ in the end? This is not a judgment of salvation. The Bible tells us this will be a judgment before Christ of what we've done with what's been entrusted to us. We will be judged on whether our work for him has been hay and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. There is a judgment coming, 2 Corinthians 5, for believers as to what they have done with what's been entrusted to you and me. There will be a day we'll have to stand before and to show the Lord again what have we done with the talents, the minas, the opportunity that he has entrusted to us. Again, I think one of the greatest regrets of Christ's followers will stand before in the glory and the holiness of Christ in judgment and be like, I totally wasted too much time. Speaking of wasting too much time, recently I watched this documentary. Maybe you've seen it. I know a lot of people have, and a lot were recommending it to us. It's called The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. It's a powerful drawing back the curtain on the dangers of social media. I do recommend it in terms of just, it's like a lot of the makers of these platforms or apps that are coming out and saying, listen, it's basically a disaster. All of these things are designed to, are designed, listen, if you think what social media really is, right? I'm not saying there's not... I'm not going to go there. Hey, social media, okay? If you think about it at its base, it is just a flood of information that fills the, the mind. And most of it is absolute nonsense. Most of it, most of it, again, even if you say it's neutral, well, it's neutral leading to basically nothing. It's just time wasting. Opinion spewing. I gotta step back and be like, what am I actually filling my mind with incessantly on a daily basis? And now you have non-Christians who were developers and inventors of these apps starting to raise the warning flags and saying, it's really a problem. The danger of spending our lives on nothing other kind of civilian pursuits, Jesus warns us of bigger barns. Paul warns us of the love of money. Jesus, in the parable of the sower, says, Many will fall away due to the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. I've always been impacted by this truth. I try to say it to myself a lot. It's the, it's the adage, it's the saying, The more you own, the more it will own you. That's a very good piece of wisdom. That's why I, I, I love and long for a form of simplicity and I want to increase it in my life. You watch situations and you know the more you own, the more it owns you. And so many people have so much stuff and then they have so many different pursuits and distractions 
that they're taking care of all their stuff that they never actually look up at Christ. That's, that's a tragedy in my mind. Single-mindedness. You don't get caught up in civilian pursuits. Here's what Daniel Henderson said, and he said it so well. The devil does not have to destroy a Christian. He only has to distract him. The devil sometimes, he's, he's, he's really smart here. Like, he's clever. He knows if he went for this right away, we'd be like, oh, man, I'm not going to come near me. But he's, he's clever and subtle, so he goes here. But when he does that, sometimes it ends up being this anyways. I can just get that man, woman, child, whatever it is, distracted, then all of a sudden, drift, 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 drift. You only have to take the rudder of a ship a slight off, you give enough time, and the destination's here, I mean, slight over time, ends up way over here. Just a, just a slight turning of the rudder, and give it enough time, and the, and the ship goes off course drastically, way far off from its destination where it's supposed to be. The mindset of single-mindedness. In verse 5 now, I just, I love these metaphors he gives. Then he turns to an athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the, the mindset of an athlete here is self-discipline, integrity, self-discipline. Evidently, Paul loves sports. There's another sport metaphor he uses in one of his letters. He says every athlete must compete according to the rules. So several commentators point out this fact that in ancient Olympics... Each athlete had to complete a 10-month training period and they had to swear to an oath that they had done this. These were the rules. The athlete doesn't get to make up their own rules. The athlete competes with integrity and they succeed through self-discipline. Some try to cheat, but in the end, they will not succeed. I was thinking about athletes who try to kind of cut the corners or cheat. I thought about that famous example in the Boston Marathon. Her name was Rosie Ruiz. And she, what she did, I think she started to run the Boston Marathon race, but some, some part in the race she kind of took off. She went off course. And on the last mile, you guys remember this? Some of you are older, maybe remember this, whatever. Old like me, okay? And in the last mile, she gets in the crowd. It's all packed. And she, she kind of finds her way into the race and starts running. And she finishes the last mile. And everyone thought she won. She comes through, she gets the accolade, she puts like the wreath on her head, she's all there, everyone's shocked, where did this runner come from? And it's like three or four days later, whatever it was, they find out she cheated and entered in and then she lost everything now and then her, her, her fame now is, is recognized as the woman who cheated in the Boston Marathon. I think she just passed away recently, still that, that, that was what her whole life was known as. She tried to enter the race in the final lap, she didn't compete according to the rules, she cheated, she was found out. Do you know how many people are trying to do that with God? You know how many people are going through life and they just got to find their way? At the very end, I'll sneak into the race. I'll sneak in. God won't notice. And I'll try to finish the last mile and go through and somehow get the accolades, whatever. No, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Every athlete must compete according to the rules. Integrity, self-discipline. You know what's amazing to me too is how much the Bible tells us how God cares about self-discipline. For God gives the Spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. 
Here we see an athlete competes with self-control, self-discipline, self-mastery, integrity, according to the rules. It's amazing to me, again, God cares so much about us by his spirit and the fruit of his spirit overcoming the flesh and sin in self-control. You want to fight the good fight? I mean, I'm talking to some people here right now, listen, maybe at home right now. And you say, our lives are not exactly characterized by self-control. It will be very hard to fight the good fight as you sit there continuing to watch mounds of pornography on a weekly basis. It's just a matter of time before you self-destruct. Seen it, seen it too many times. Flat-out laziness and apathy. Never reading the Bible. Never praying. Never seeking the Lord. It's just a matter of time before you self-destruct. A marriage of, of, of unfaithfulness and infidelity, you draw that back and there's patterns of self-destruction with a lack of self-control. And in the end, many people get destroyed in the process. But remember, as much as we seek to be, have self-control, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has given us a spirit of power and love, and God has given us a spirit of self-control. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self and self-control. God's spirit does this. You access his grace by strength. You multiply yourself. You have a mindset. God endows this to you. It's him, yet not I, but Christ in me. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. But you let him be full in you. And that's where the self-discipline comes from. And then I love this. Verse six, so we have a mindset of single-mindedness and athlete discipline. And then verse six, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So the mindset of a farmer now Hard work. Now look at the screen there for a second. Look at look how all three of these connect. Look at that soldier, athlete, farmer. Hey Timothy, you want to fight the good fight? Look, look, son. Look, look, son. This is who you gotta be. This is the mindset you gotta have. Think of a farmer. Why a farmer? Well, think of how farmers work hard. They're called to labor, they're called to endure, they're called to get up early, they're called to toil. We had some farmers in the last service. I hope we have some farmers here today too. Maybe some farmers watching. Love farmers. Bless farmers. Some of our family comes back from a farmer background. A lot of respect. Called to toil. Called to patience with the crops. They're called to, called to hard work. Hard work. And you know what's amazing to me is the emphasis on work ethic in the New Testament, in the Bible. The emphasis of hard work upon the Christian life. Christ's followers are not to be lazy. Right here, undeniable. In fact, in our context, Paul pastor, speaking to Timothy pastor, in the context here, a lazy pastor is an oxymoron. Now forgive me, I couldn't resist. I just have to add, a lazy pastor is a moron. <laughs> he is. He is. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand what he's called to. Right? Like it's, 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 it's right here, right? Laziness is the antithesis of following Christ. His strength, right? His power, yet our work for him and what he's entrusted to us. Like, like, like look here on the screen here. 
look at this. I mean, young people right now, young people, just again, this is one of these moments of like wisdom, wisdom, wisdom's knocking somewhere. Like wisdom is calling you right now. Hey man, you want to be fruitful in your life? Check it out. Like there's no exceptions to this. Young people, like, listen up, man. I'm serious about this. Right? Like, look, look, look. I want to be successful in life. There it is. I want to see fruit in my life. Woohoo! There it is again, you know. I want to use for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's not supposed to be a secret. It's a mindset of understanding. Single mind, seek first the kingdom. Self-discipline, the fruit of the spirit, and hard work. As God dwells in you, and laziness, apathy, complacency, we'll see you in the gutter someday. It's always the way it's been. There are no exceptions to this. You, you can turn the corner right now. Like this could be the day of change. Our world just, it, 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 just, it just promotes nothing. Timothy, if you want to fight the good fight, got to have a mindset like this. You got, Timothy, you got to have the mindset. Paul knows he did it. If you want to fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. Timothy, you got to have a mindset. It's so important. you got to be strengthened by grace. you got to multiply yourself. you got to have a mindset. And lastly and briefly, fight plan number four, I must meditate for true meaning. Look at verse seven. And all I want to say about this is this simple and as clear as it says, look at what he says. Hey, Timothy, think over, ponder, meditate over what I say. Think about the truth. Meditate on this truth. For the Lord will give you understanding in, what's the last word there? I'm sorry, what was that? I couldn't hear you again. Everything. Thank you over here. Everything. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Well, that's quite a promise, isn't it? Meditate. Think upon Dwell on the truth, for the Lord will give you understanding in every... Question, question. Do you got a fight plan? Like when you walked in today, did you have a fight plan for the Christian life? Well, you do now. Like you do now. And, and, and the application right now in verse 7, think on the... Like take time today... Think on what the Holy Spirit, what has to change, what needs to go, what needs to be added, what habits need to disappear, what focus do I need to have? Think on these things, men, women, children, young people, think on these things. And the Lord will give you understanding. One of the blessings of today is we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. What I love about this is that, man, you want to fight the good fight? Then you think on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his gospel. You know what I love about this? We go into the Lord's Supper. Look at the first three words of verse 8. Of verse 8. See it there? Remember Jesus Christ. Perfect. Perfect. Remember Jesus Christ because Jesus is everything. 